You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As we begin a brand new week here on the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, we do so looking for a reason to be optimistic about what's next for Penn State. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire, contributor to AthlonSports.com, and I'm happy to be with you here as always. Today is Monday, October 26, 2020, and today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. So lots of stuff to get into in today's episode following Penn State's 36-35 setback on the road in their Big Ten opener against the Indiana Hoosiers. Yes, we'll talk about that two-point conversion and the state of Big Ten instant replay in today's episode, but there are so many other mistakes that Penn State should be able to learn from in this game as they get ready to turn the page and welcome in the Ohio State Buckeyes at the end of this week. Plenty of Penn State, Ohio State talk on the podcast all this week, so make sure you're subscribed to our podcast in whatever podcasting app you may be using, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, Whatever you use to listen to podcasts these days, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and then make sure you leave a rating and a review. Let us know what you think about the podcast, what you thought about today's episode, because your feedback helps us build a show that not only is something that you want to subscribe to, but you also want to share with your friends and your family, play at your Penn State socially distanced gatherings as the season unfolds. We also invite you to always stay socially connected with us on all of our social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. And if you've been staying connected on all those platforms, you know we're offering some different unique content across the board. So there's so many ways to stay connected and be a part of our podcast as we continue to roll out some more coverage during this 2020 Penn State football season. So once you hit that subscribe button and you follow us on all those different accounts, let's go ahead and get today's episode underway. Now that I've had a little bit more time to let Saturday's events kind of sink in and kind of sit back and take a look at exactly what happened Saturday as Penn State opened the season on a losing note, losing 36-35 to in overtime to an Indiana Hoosiers team that I sort of feel validated in suggesting that was going to be a problem for Penn State. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I've been looking at this game for quite some time now, suggesting that this is not going to be an easy opening test for Penn State. I never liked the placement of this game for Penn State. I figured if this game were being played at home or if this game comes a little bit later in the year, I like Penn State's chances a lot more. But there was just so many question marks I had about Penn State to get this season started. Not because I don't think that there are good things in store for Penn State this year, but just the fact that there are a new offense coordinator, new position coaches on the offensive side. You're still waiting to see which wide receivers step up and become those go-to targets for Sean Clifford. Is Sean Clifford going to take some of those next steps in his progression with this new coaching staff? And I think certainly things looked good very early on against Indiana with an opening drive to start the year, going right down the field and converting a fourth and short or fourth and goal from a short distance with Sean Clifford finding Pat Fryermuth for a touchdown to put Penn State up 7-0 right out of the gate. Uh, it was a good, time-consuming, efficient drive, productive drive. And then the defense comes around and pitches two straight three and outs. But meanwhile, the offense just kind of goes into a lull. And I feel like we have seen that story play out before with Penn State with a good start to a game. And then the offense kind of goes quiet for a while, allows the other team to kind of hang in there, maybe take advantage of some opportunities. And Indiana sure did that. Penn State with a couple of turnovers, three turnovers in the first half, first of all, and then, of course, Indiana being able to capitalize 
on some of those possessions. You're picking up 10 points off of turnovers in the first half, including a four-yard touchdown drive following uh, Sean Clifford interception, which uh, he looks back on and he knows that it was a mistake. And I'm going to give Sean Clifford a lot of credit here. I know he's going to get ripped by many people and probably has over the last couple of days for his two interceptions and for some of that decision-making. The guy's a battler. The guy has battled back. He really led the charge as Penn State came back and fought their way back to taking a lead in the fourth quarter. His run at the end of the third quarter, uh, to close out the third quarter, for a touchdown, a long touchdown run, it was an incredible run. It was a gutsy performance. And it helped show that I feel like this is the reason why he is a team captain. Even when things haven't gone well for him and the offense, He's not going to give up, and that's something that you can still say is a characteristic of this Penn State team under James Franklin. Do they have their shortcomings? Absolutely. But I do feel as though one of the main takeaways you can always take away from a Penn State game, even when in a losing defeat, they're very rarely going to just roll over and let the opposition have their way. This is a Penn State team that is not going to quit, and they are never going to be counted out of a game. Even if they're a little bit outmatched, they're going to hang around there. And they did that. They took the lead against an Indiana team that I still say is very good, but should not have won that game. Let's talk about that two-point conversion, okay? Uh, Initially, I watched that replay, I don't know how many times, on Saturday night, and I was going back and forth throughout the night. And part of me was thinking... Well, maybe he did touch the pylon. Maybe it did just nudge the pylon before he was officially out of bounds. Uh, I don't know if necessarily the ball touching the ground is much of a problem. Did his hand touch the ground before the ball touched the pylon? That's the big question mark. And I've looked at the replay so many different times, and I still come away deciding that whatever the call on the field was going to be, I don't think it was going to be overturned. I don't know if you can definitively say that there is 100% indisputable video evidence that confirms whether or not Michael Penix Jr. was out of bounds before that ball touched the pylon. So because the ball, because the call on the field was that the two-point conversion attempt for the win was good, I didn't see anything that was going to suggest that they need to overturn the call. Bottom line here is though, uh, this is 2020, and I've been going on this rant for I don't know how many years now, but the fact that there is any school playing FBS football, let alone in the Big Ten with the big revenue shares that they get for the, being a member of that conference, there is absolutely no excuse not to have multiple goal line cameras going right down the goal line from right on the pylon to a couple feet behind it, a couple feet above it. I think if you have three, maybe four goal line cameras at each end on on both sides of the field, you can answer some of these questions a little bit more definitively. Does that mean that that would have helped out Penn State? I don't know. I'm not here to suggest that it would have turned out any differently if they had the multiple cameras, but it is inexcusable not to have multiple cameras. And I'll even say that Indiana got screwed out of a touchdown, I think, because of the lack of those video replay cameras on the goal line. Hendershot, I think, had a touchdown uh, before Indiana eventually scored. Uh, But the video replays were at such a weird angle in that stadium. I don't know if it was a stadium or just the fact that the broadcast was set up. I don't know exactly what the issue was. But this is 2020. The Big Ten has plenty of money. There is absolutely no reason why we shouldn't have multiple cameras available that can give us a more definitive look at these crucial plays. 
Now, Penn State had a lot of problems on their own that led to this unfortunate result in the season opener. We're going to get to that in the next segment because there are plenty of learning opportunities to be had here. And that's something that I always look for out of these painful losses. It stinks. We'll take a look at what this means moving forward in the next segment. But there are some things you can take away from this that can create a little bit more of an optimistic look outlook for Penn State moving forward as they get ready to turn the page and take on Ohio State, which is still, in my mind, the game of the year in the Big Ten, at least for now. Well, Penn State fans may not feel like there's a lot of reason to celebrate, but the fact that Big Ten football and Penn State football is back is a reason to celebrate responsibly. Your friends at Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado invite you to do so with the beer that is meant to chill, and that is Coors Light. Literally, it is made to chill from those cool Rocky Mountains. You know what I'm talking about. And nothing goes better with watching college football and watching your Penn State Nittany Lions on a Saturday than kicking back, relaxing, and chilling out with a nice cold Coors Light. That's right, Coors Light is cold, lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. And it's as crisp and refreshing as Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. And best of yet, if you're out of Coors Light in your fridge right now, you don't even have to leave your house to get more. All you have to do is go to get.coorslight.com and you can get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door. So you want to hit reset, as many Penn State fans probably do these days. <laughs> Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Once again, Coors Light. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're getting a brand new week started, and it can be a little slow starting when you're coming off a loss like Penn State is on Saturday, but if you need something to help pick you up a little bit, make you feel full, make you feel energized, make you feel good about what you're putting into your body, then look no further than Built Bar. That's right, the Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes just like a chocolate bar. It's an improved Built Bar, and it's even more deliciouser than it's ever been before. You know they have those 12 original flavors we've talked about so many times before, including salted caramel, mint brownie, but how about some of the six newer of flavors that they have, including the apple almond and crisp and the carrot cake two perfect flavors for this time of year the built bars are healthy they are perfect for anyone that's looking to lose or maintain weight they're low calorie low sugar high protein and high fiber they're even great for a keto diet take a look at the flavor profile for the peanut butter flavor which is one of my personal favorites 19 grams of protein 180 calories 5 grams sugar and 5 grams net carbs you really want to check these out for yourself. And to do that, go to BuiltBar.com. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On. You'll get 20% off your next order. And while supplies last, they'll even throw in a free cooler with your purchase. And I highly advise you refrigerating those Built Bars, maybe put them in the freezer a little bit, then stick them in your cooler on your way to work or on the job site, whatever the case may be. But again, a free cooler. You save 20% off using the promo code Locked On. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, get that 20% off. Remember, use the promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, so I tend to be a pretty optimistic person. So even after a loss like Saturday's 36 to 35 loss at Indiana, I still look for reasons where you can be a little bit positive moving forward as Penn State looks to rebound from an 0-1 start to the season. And obviously, it's pretty difficult to be anything less than gloomy right now because Ohio State's coming into town. You saw what Ohio State did to Nebraska over the weekend. Ohio State looked like a legitimate Big Ten favorite and college football playoff contender. And they did what those kind of teams with that profile typically do. That's what you wanted to see out of Penn State. But Penn State had a tougher draw than Ohio State did. Ohio State was playing at home against a Nebraska team. Uh, Penn State on the road against an Indiana team, which I believe is better than Nebraska. They did beat them last year, too. So, again, we're not going to take anything away from what Indiana did. But there were so many mistakes 
and so many opportunities to learn and grow from what Penn State's performance uh, had on Saturday that that's where you hope that the coaching staff led by James Franklin and his coordinators and his position coaches take a look at all this game film and you're going to see a lot of mistakes that you can correct I think pretty easily. Okay, so decision-making is always going to be one thing. You know, Sean Clifford had a couple of interceptions that you know, certainly one for sure he should not have thrown. Uh, and I think he he fully acknowledged that. And there's no question about that after the postgame. And he took a lot of the blame for himself, as any team captain playing the quarterback position likely will. Uh, and those are things that you like to hear. But obviously, this is just another tough road trip for Sean Clifford. Uh, kind of like that Minnesota game last year where he gets off to a bad start, has a couple of interceptions, and things just kind of spiral out of control before Penn State does battle back. And again, like I said, the, the ability for Penn State to play better in the second half, make some adjustments, and come back in a game even when things are looking pretty grim is something to be said for. I, I think this, these players will continue to fight, continue to play, and the coaches are not going to give up on them either. So that is a positive that I take out of this game. Obviously, you don't want to be in that situation where you have to do that, but at least you can rely on the fact that Penn State's not going to quit. I've said that before, and certainly after one game, I'm going to say that again. Uh, let's talk about the Devin Ford situation, uh, going in and scoring that touchdown to put Penn State up 28-20. to 20. Uh, Obviously, we all know that he should have taken a knee, and it looks like he realized that too. He just realized where he was too late before he could correct his error there. So that is an easy coaching decision that I think you can fix. Now, obviously, I I don't know what went into the the sequence of events, what the discussions were like, but uh, a player has to know the situation. You have to understand the the clock situation, uh, the timeout situation, the fact that you can pick up a first down and force your opponent to burn a couple timeouts before they uh, start thinking about making play. And you knew that Indiana was hoping that they would leave the wide open field and they would have a, a Penn State just walk into the end zone and make that mistake. Because you saw the Indiana player, the defender uh, in the end zone as Devin Ford crossed the goal line. He's celebrating. He knew what had happened. He gave Indiana a chance to win. Or at least tie it, I should say. And Indiana took advantage of that. So I think that's an easy decision you can correct. Now, again, Devin Ford probably wasn't going to be the main running back in this game. You know, a couple days after we've learned the status of Journey Brown for this year, uh, Noah Kane leaves the game very early on. So, uh, you know, it's still Devin Ford played the entire game. So you would like to think that he was fully in the mindset of being the main guy running the ball. But again, you have to make sure that if you're going to hand the ball off to your running back, you have to prepare him for the fact that the defenders don't want him uh, to, to take a knee. They, they want him to get into the end zone in that particular situation. So that is something that everybody can learn from. And I think everybody on the team needs to understand better what the clock situation is in those types of situations. So I do think that that is a correctable error. Uh, the turnovers, they may not necessarily be a correctable error, but you can look into improving the decision-making that's going into play with Sean Clifford and what's going on in, in that position of the field for sure. You can't give your opponent a four-yard touchdown drive. <laughs> that's just, uh, that's inexcusable. That was that was a huge setback. Uh, the kicking game obviously left something to be desired. Um, you know, I'm not going to harp on Pinnegar too much because he was pretty reliable last year, but two missed field goals, uh, that happens, but certainly in a game like this where you go into overtime, just getting one of those field goals, especially the one right before halftime, that was the killer word for me. That was the one where I said, all right, he missed that field goal. Things are not going well for Penn State. This may not be their day after all. 
I'm not going to harp on him too much because I remember a few years back when Sam Ficken had that tough start to the year. He ended up being a pretty reliable asset for that Penn State team uh, along the way. So uh, Pinnegar had a pretty successful year last year. Uh, obviously a bad start this year. I don't know if there was something different with the snapping uh, process or, or what the situation may be. Whatever it is, he missed two field goals. I'm not going to harp on it too much. Let's see what he does moving forward. I'm not going to push any panic buttons with that. But maybe that is something that can be corrected. I don't know. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see what happens with the special teams moving forward. Uh, I'm also not going to get on Jordan Stout for missing a 57-yard field goal. I, I don't rely on any kicker, really, from that distance. Uh, if he makes it, great. Uh, if not, we'll live to see what happens next. Uh, we do need to talk about Lamont Wade returning the kickoff, though. <laughs> returning, returning the kickoff out to the five-yard line. This eventually led to that uh, Sean Clifford interception, which resulted in a four-yard touchdown drive for Indiana. Uh, the rules are very simple. Call for a fair catch. You're going to get the ball at the 25-yard line. There's no need to take any extra risk, especially when you're fielding the ball where you're fielding it. There was no reason for Lamont Wade to return the kick, first of all, and second of all, go the route in which he did because once you go vertical, or I'm sorry, horizontal, uh, you're 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 going to hurt yourself because the defenders on the other special teams unit, they're going to catch up to that pretty quickly. And Indiana was prepared for that. So uh, that was just a bad decision uh, made by... Uh, Lamont Wade returning the kickoff. You just can't do that. If you're going to return the ball, you have to make sure you're going to get out to at least the 20-yard line. But like I said, there's really almost no excuse in today's world of college football to take anything other than the free 25 yards they're giving. They're giving you 25 yards. That's all you needed, and that puts Penn State in a much different situation uh, um, as far as the, the position on the field. You know, Even if Sean Clifford does eventually throw an interception a couple plays later, you're not talking about a four-yard touchdown drive, most likely, for Indiana. So big swing and turn of events uh, with that bad kickoff return. But that's something that can be corrected, too. You notice the Montway was not on the kickoff return unit for the next kickoff that Penn State received. So, uh, again, you know, if you're trying to figure out who's going to be your, your kickoff guys, that's fine. Let's experiment a little bit, but that's a costly mistake. And I said going into the season, because the Big Ten got off to a later start than some of the other conferences. I saw what was happening around the, the, the country. Some teams are starting off shaky. So you have to be ready to play your A game as soon as you start your season when you were playing conference-only games. And this was a bad matchup or bad position on the schedule for Penn State to have one of those off games because Indiana is going to hurt some people. Indiana is a good team. This is not taking anything away from what the Hoosiers did. Penn State made it easier for Indiana, but Indiana took advantage of those opportunities. And in a short season like this or an abbreviated season like this where you're jumping right into conference play, you cannot afford to have those early mistakes. So there's a lot to clean up between now and Saturday night when Penn State takes on Ohio State. I'm not saying they can clean everything up. I'm not saying that this is going to be a Penn State team that is ready to challenge Ohio State. I feel less, much less confident in Penn State's ability to knock off Ohio State right now considering what I saw out of the Buckeyes and what I saw out of Penn State. But I am not at all saying that it is impossible that Penn State can get the win against the Buckeyes. I'm going to explain a couple more thoughts about the upcoming game as we turn the page, getting set for the Week 2 matchup in the Big Ten schedule between Penn State and Ohio State coming up in our next segment. Make sure you are subscribed to our podcast on all of your favorite podcasting apps, and don't forget to check us out on all of those social media platforms using the username LockedOnNittany at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. 
All right, so final segment of our Monday episode as we get another week started right here on the Locked On Podcast Network covering Penn State with the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. New episodes every Monday through Friday. And, of course, we're throwing out some bonus content along the way as well. And as a quick reminder, after every Penn State game this season, we are going live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash LockedOnNittany, for a brief post-game live reaction stream. And, of course, if you are subscribed to the podcast, you know that we are putting that audio from that live stream in a podcast format. So if you subscribe to our podcast, you're going to get the audio of that uh, probably on Sunday, sometime on Sunday. So as we did it this past weekend uh, after the Penn State game, we went live on Twitch, uh, had some fun on there for about half an hour or so, whatever the, whatever the time was. And then later I got a chance to rip that audio, put that in a podcast form for you, and put that on your podcast feed. We're going to continue to do that. We, we also have other ways that we're staying interactive uh, throughout the week. Uh, as I'm recording this episode on a Sunday afternoon, I'm actually running our next virtual simulation using NCAA Football 14 uh, on the PlayStation 3. It's actually streaming live on our Twitch channel right now. I'm going to be simulating each game throughout the season uh, as it goes. And as fate would have it, I actually forgot to remove Journey Brown from my uh, roster file for NCAA Football 14. So it's not exactly a 100% accurate virtual simulation, but I'll see if I can uh, correct that moving forward. Either way, make sure you check those out. We'll put those on uh, YouTube, but you can also go back on Twitch and follow them as well. And also on Instagram, uh, once we are finished with our Twitch live post-game stream, I go on Instagram, on our Instagram account, instagram.com slash LockedOnNittany, and I do another quick little mini stream to kind of follow up some of the comments and conversation from our Twitch stream uh, with our Instagram followers, because I know not everybody's following us on Twitch and not everybody follows us on Instagram. So we're just trying to cross promote every now and then across those social media platforms. But as far as the Big Ten is concerned, this is, this is going to be a very big week for Penn State. There's no question about that. We have plenty of time to dive into exactly what's at stake here for Penn State. But if you took a look around what happened around the rest of the Big Ten this weekend, Let's start with Michigan, okay? Well, I don't need to dive into Ohio State because we'll talk about them so much this week. I am also going to be talking to uh, Jay Stevens from Locked On Buckeyes. We're going to do a little crossover coming up in the next couple of days. It's going to be pretty fun. I'm going to see if I can reach out to Ben Stevens, get him on the podcast. We've got our friend from Jay, Jay from uh, the, the Philadelphia Sports Table Talk. Lots of guests coming up this week on the podcast. But take a look at what happened with the Michigan Wolverines. And the biggest question for Michigan under Jim Harbaugh seems to have been can he have a quarterback that can actually run this offense? Now, Michigan put on a really impressive performance on the road against Minnesota Saturday night. They dominated in so many different areas. They made plays on offense. They made plays on defense. They scored on defense. And they made plays on special teams. So this is a Michigan team that, after one game, certainly looks much more improved. And it looks a little bit closer to the kind of Michigan teams that really uh, had a run towards a potential shot at a Big Ten title before falling short. Uh, against Ohio State in much closer contests than more recent meetings have been. So it's only one game. I don't get too carried away after those small sample sizes. But what Michigan did was put the rest of the Big Ten on notice. You know, Joe Milton looks like he could be the real deal. But there were other areas of Michigan's offense with offense coordinator Josh Gaddis, of course, in his second year that looked like they took some steps forward. So we'll see if that can continue moving forward. Michigan still has some tough tests, of course. They're going to have to play Wisconsin in a few weeks. That might be that might be a really good contest. And speaking of Wisconsin, Wisconsin had a great season debut. Graham Mertz uh, was just phenomenal. Only one incompletion on the night. Really uh, 
put himself on the center stage and really force the issue of whether or not he's going to be the starting quarterback for Wisconsin the rest of the way. I don't see how Paul Chris can go away from him. I know, again, it's only one game, small sample size. Let's not get too carried away, but he was a difference maker. You know, Wisconsin looked like a pass-happy team. This is a program that has traditionally been all about running the football and getting behind that big offensive line and letting their running back just uh, carry them to victory. It's much more of a team-balanced uh, rushing attack it seems like it's going to be from Wisconsin this year. Meanwhile, Mertz, one of the highest-rated recruits that Wisconsin has ever had, certainly at the quarterback position, he looked like he was living up to the hype. So this could be a different look for Wisconsin this year. Again, small sample size, just against Illinois, a team that beat them last year. But Illinois is not exactly all that, I think, as far as the Big Ten West is concerned. So maybe it was just a favorable matchup for Wisconsin. Maybe it was a favorable matchup for Michigan, although this Minnesota team I still think is going to be pretty good this year. So Wisconsin looked really good. Michigan looked really good. Ohio State, of course, is Ohio State. And, you know, I think uh, I wouldn't get too carried away with the fact that Rutgers beat Michigan State. But all of a sudden, Penn State is sitting there with 0-1 record. They've got Ohio State coming in this weekend. This is not necessarily a must-win game, but it's as close to it as possible because you cannot fall behind too far too early in an eight-game schedule before that Big Ten championship game, uh, Big Championship weekend uh, comes up. So Penn State's behind the curveball, and they, now they need to catch up to it. So what do you do? Obviously, a win against Ohio State this week would change the outlook dramatically. And still, that's one of the points I'm going to harp on throughout the week is the, the goals of winning the Big Ten Championship are still completely there for Penn State. It all hinge, This season really always was going to hinge on what Penn State does against Ohio State because I don't believe that Indiana is going to get through the year with just one loss and have that head-to-head tiebreaker against Penn State come back to, to come into play here. I do think Indiana, as good as they are, they're going to lose a couple games here. So the opportunity now for Penn State to play for the Big Ten Championship still hinges on this game, as it always was going to. Uh, because if you get the head-to-head tiebreaker with Ohio State, I don't see many teams beating Ohio State this year. So if Ohio State loses one game, you want that one game to be against you. And then, of course, you have to take care of your business elsewhere. So my outlook for Penn State and the Big Ten Championship has not changed. It is still hinging on what happens this week against Ohio State. So a lot has to happen this week, and we're going to talk about it as the week progresses because there is a lot to clean up from this first setback on the road against Indiana. But we're going to talk about it all week. We're going to bring on some guests. We're going to have some fun as we look forward to the next game on this 2020 schedule for the Penn State Nittany Lions. Make sure you're subscribed on all your favorite podcasting apps such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio. Amazon Music, whatever you use to listen to podcasts on your phone, in your car, in your home, you can subscribe and you can also leave a rating and review. It'll really help us out because we want to make the show something that you want to come back to. And hey, if you need to commiserate a little bit, you need to vent a little bit, that's what we're here for too. That's what the live streams are specifically for. But we also want you to stay a part of our little community here as we move forward. You can do that by following us on Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, I'm sorry, Twitch and Instagram using the username Locked on Nittany. My name is Kevin McGuire. I'm a contributor to AthlonSports.com. Make sure you check me out over there. And you can also follow me on Twitter as well, at KevinOnCFB. Don't forget to check out my Patreon at Patreon.com slash McGuire. Coming up this week, I am going to start releasing my weekly Big Ten Power Rankings. Got to say, Penn State's not going to be looking 
all that great. Coming up in tomorrow's episode, we'll take a look at what else happened around the country. And of course, we'll take a look at the updated rankings from the, the AP poll, the coaches poll. They did come out. Penn State did drop, as you would expect. But we'll dig into that a little bit more in tomorrow's episode as we kind of get ready to catch up a little bit more on what happened over this weekend. There was a lot to say and get through in today's episode. But come back tomorrow. We'll have a whole lot more. And we'll have some fun along the way as well. As always, thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. And I hope you have a great day. Get your week started on the right foot. I know it's difficult after a loss, but it's still possible. And that's what you want to come back for here. We're going to give you a little bit of an optimistic viewpoint moving forward. Keep you going. And of course, thank you once again for listening. I'll talk to you later. Bye.